Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good, good. So we're going to... Um... We want to just keep moving forward. So if you're a part of this family, a part of this community, you get to, as a member, get to look over the budget, check it out, and then we're going to vote on it to approve it for next year. Um, we don't like, we, we're open about what we do in this church. You guys give of your money, you give of your tithes, you give of offerings. We don't hide that. We share that. We let people know what we do with it. And so we're going to trust God with what he's given us as we plan and, and we move forward on that. Hey, guys, I'm excited about next week as we got the Hope Toy Drive. I know I was here last night just hanging out with the ladies, though. You know, I put a wig on. Just I thought of, no, I'm just joking. Um, hanging out with the ladies yesterday as they blessed so many people. It was such a blessing to see them serve together and, and minister together. And so um, thank you, ladies, for putting that on. I know, Rosalinda, I know you're online this morning and in the team that helped uh, put that all together yesterday. I know many were blessed by it. And I know that even people from the community drove by uh, to, to get something. They thought it was the to- Hope Toy Drive, but then we got to even minister to them. So it was a great opportunity for that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter one as we're gonna head into um, the Christmas uh, season as we're getting to Christmas story. My sermon series is called A Christmas to Remember, A Christmas to Remember. As we enter, we're gonna look at the birth of Jesus in the next couple of weeks, kind of journey through that story um, with that um, you know, many times when you go through the Christmas time and you got to tell this Christmas story, you got to kind of figure out, well, what's something new that they haven't heard? For those that grew up in the church, you hear this story every Christmas. You know what I mean? So like, oh man, it's like telling, it's like, it's like Groundhog Day. You know what I mean? Telling it over and over and over again. But I'm hoping that this Christmas, we're going to talk about a Christmas to remember. Why, why is this Christmas different than the other Christmases? And I'm hoping that as we get into it, we'll be able to understand that. Many of you know that my mom had passed away this year, and it's been a rough year. But Christmas time was a special time for our family. And it's going to be hard because my mom's going to be present because there were some traditions in our families that we held on to. There were some traditions that we practiced. There were things that we did. Now, my siblings and I, we loved Christmas, and we loved waking up in the morning and going to the Christmas tree and opening up the presents. But there was one tradition in our family that we were always really excited about. And that tradition was the opening up the stockings because that was a big thing for us because my mom did something every year different. She would actually shop for our st- through uh, all year for our stockings, finding things that were unusual or trinkets or go to specialty places just to put into our stockings. So when we opened up, it was always something, wow, where'd you get this? Or this is a crazy idea. And sometimes it was funny. Sometimes it was creative. Sometimes it was bizarre. And we'd always open up the, the presents in our stockings uh, because we were so excited what, what creative things she would do every year. We're going to miss that tradition this year, but that was something she practiced every single year. And I, she practiced that even up, even when we were in our, in our, even a year ago, we were doing that. I mean, that had been many, many years. It was something that tradition that we had practiced. As we come to this Christmas time, we're going to understand that we celebrate the gift, not discovered in a stocking, but discovered in a manger. And see, and I'm hoping that, that just as much as I was excited about waking up and entering in to get that stocking, that we would be excited to, to learn and grow and understand the reasons for the season, understand the Christmas story in a different light, that this would be a Christmas that we would remember. 
Because this gift that we're going to open up in the next couple of weeks is a gift about redemption. It has redemptive values. It's a gift is to be shared with all, yet a gift specific for each one of us today. God was thoughtful in his giving because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So as we begin to open up the gospel of Matthew this morning, we find a young couple trying to live out their faith in controversy, trying to be obedient to, the, to God. They serve in light of the culture that questions their own situation. They had to walk under scrutiny of others. And yet, as you look at their lives, they're only teenagers trying to walk out and live out their faith as a call by God in their teenage years because God's going to call them to do something that's going to be hard, but it's supernatural. God's going to call on Mary and Joseph to be the, the parents of Jesus himself, the parents of God. In light of what the culture thinks and how it came about, this is going to be an amazing story that sometimes we forget about what they had to go through and the struggles and the difficulties to live out their faith and obedience in light of what other people's thought. See, we have to understand, how do we live out our own faith in light of what other people think and being obedient to the call that God has in our life as they parent God in the flesh, as they parent Jesus in the flesh as parents this morning? I think this will be a Christmas to remember as will 2020. It will not be without controversy. The church is trying to live out its mission in the midst of COVID restrictions and the people's different perspectives of the times. Think about it for a moment. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. The battle of what is essential is the church essential. But one thing is perfectly clear. Christ's coming was essential. His birth, his incarnation was essential to all of us. He will be the vaccine for the greatest disease ever seen by mankind. The Christmas story read in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke is not an ordinary, ordinary story, but it's significant to all of us. And we have to be careful that we don't worship the tradition of Christ or Christmas, but the author of Christmas. I want you to hear that. Because it's easily as we go through the routine of worshiping in this Christmas season that we worship the things of the traditions, but we fail to recognize the reason for the season. If we want to make it a Christmas to remember, we need to understand the purpose of Christmas. And so in the next few weeks, I will do just that, to make Christmas one to remember. Let's read a Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 28 to 25 this morning. And I want to read it as we look at the story this morning. Matthew 1, if you open up your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, whatever you have this morning. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. 
and he did not know her until he had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And I pray this morning as we study your story, Lord, as we study the significance of your story, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, that it's just not the same story we hear every year, but that your word would be relevant for us today, that would speak to our hearts in the midst of all that's going on in our world today and, and things that we're seeing. How does this Christmas story play out even today? Why is it significant today? Lord, you came as a baby, the incarnation of God through Christ, Lord. We pray we would understand that deeply and the significance of how it impacts us today in our culture, in our world, in our society. Lord, we pray this morning that your story is a powerful story. It's not an ordinary story. It's a very significant story. And we pray that you'll be magnified in the story. So we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll look at a couple things this morning. The first one this morning is that the first Christmas is clouded by controversy. The first Christmas is clouded by controversy. You're going to see that in verses 18 to 21 this morning. It's hard to believe that anyone would claim a virgin conception. It's hard. But 1% of women in the U.S. claim to have conceived as a virgin. In fact, in 2018, researchers at the University of Chapel Hill analyzed data from 1,000 young women over the course of a decade, and one in 100 young women over the, I'm sorry, claimed to have conceived without having sex. Yeah, that's what I said. Wow. <laughs> researchers concluded fallible memory, delusions, denial, and wishful thinkings can cause an error in what people have said. Listen. But think about Joseph in his own battle to understand the, the pregnancy of Mary, the, the supernatural pregnancy, the claims that Mary had made. Was she delusional? Was she crazy? Did she have a momentary lapse of understanding? Was, was that was going on through Joseph's mind? But then you have to understand that Mary had her own battles, right? She had endured a lifetime of many who thought she was crazy, delusional, or even a liar. Her life was probably filled with rumors and skepticism, both clouded by controversy. I love this thing about God's word and God's power because it will stir up dirt. It will stir up trouble. It will stir up things, and I'm hoping that it will today. Even the Christmas story will be a Christmas to remember that we wanted to stir up the lives of people. It's okay to have controversy, right? And Mary's controversial First Christmas, we see Mary controversial first Christmas in verse 18. It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. I love how Matthew opens up verse 18. Let me just tell you how the story is going to go down. That's, that's kind of what he's saying, right? This, this, this tax collector who got saved by Jesus. A man who was transformed by the presence of Jesus when Jesus called him at a, at a tax booth, right? Matthew wanted to make sure that, that the facts were straight, that he, he laid out the word plainly that people would understand. Why? Because the gospel of Matthew was really geared toward a Jewish people or a Jewish nation that didn't see Jesus as the Messiah, didn't see the incarnation that was of Christ was really about the Messiah because it says he came and they received him not. 
And so his heart and desire as an apologist, as a writer, as a tax collector would say, I'm going to make sure they understand from my perspective this Christmas story that people could understand the significance of the coming of Christ and his birth and how it plays a reality in their own life. And we have to ask the same question. How does his coming change us? Because it's going to get clouded here in a minute. We see it in verse 18. In one verse, we see the controversy arising here. Matthew's name means a, a gift of the Lord, and now he's going to write about the greatest gift this morning. And this story starts with controversy. It starts with it. He's revealing the controversy in the very verse 18. You know, we have consequences to our decisions. Even when we make right consequences, we can still have opposition. And Mary is gonna make a decision and she's gonna be, uh, she's gonna be called upon for a purpose to be the mother of Christ. And even Joseph's gonna be challenged by these things. But their, their decisions is not gonna be without controversy. It's not gonna be without consequences. Guys, even when we make a decision to follow Christ and, and God birthed us this new life, there are gonna be things along the way that's gonna be controversial and oppositions to our own faith as we walk faithfully before God, before men. It's not gonna be without consequences. It's not gonna be without battles. And so this young couple, this teenage couple is gonna make a decision in light of the revelation they receive to follow in obedience. But we find two problems in the story right away. The controversy is revealed in 18. She's engaged, we see that, and she's pregnant. First of all, she's engaged to a man. That man was Joseph. She is betrothed to Joseph. Back in the Jewish culture, betrothing was a process to marriage. In fact, betrothing was a one-year commitment or engagement process, and it was considered like being married, but they would, they would, they would, they would be apart for one year, and the man would, would give money or, or, or would give a dowry for the wife, but the, the woman would stay home with the family for one year, and the man would go and take care of the things, whether it's getting the house ready, getting the things ready, and then he would come back and receive her bride and take him to be with her, but for one year, she had to prove her fidelity. For one year, she had to prove her, her faithfulness and her loyalty to this man. And that was the season by which Mary was in with Joseph. They were in this one-year period prior to, to consummating the marriage and having the marriage ceremony. They were in this one-year season. And in this season, there's a commitment being made. And what do you find? She becomes pregnant in this one-year time. The dilemma. There's a problem. Right? She, they, they, and, and the fact that she's, she's, she's engaged to this man and she's pregnant and Joseph is not the father. There's questions about infidelity. There's questions about loyalty. There's questions about faith. We know that there's consequences to that very thing for the wages of sin and death in that culture. For if you were to get pregnant outside of wedlock, you actually could be stoned to death or killed or even in this case, adultery, because she was already committed to Joseph and it was an adulterous relationship. That's how people could conceive this very thing. And so she's engaged to this man and yet we're gonna see in a moment in the story that she's gonna get impregnated by the Holy Spirit and so Joseph is seeing it on the natural side, not on the spiritual side at this moment, on, from the natural perspective. How would we interpret if I'm here and my wife there, we're gonna get married and I find out she's pregnant but I'm not the father or I'm not the one involved. There's be a lot of conversation. A lot of sit-downs, right? 
And then we find here that she's pregnant. Pregnancy is not the problem. The pregnancy was that Joseph's not the father here in the story. In fact, you see, she's found that she was with child. The word found means they discovered, detected to be with child. Like, you know, the truth came out about her condition, right? I think this is really interesting how people perceive this being played out because it's really going to dictate, really, is Jesus really God of the deity because we call it a virgin birth. But if she didn't have a virgin birth and this was infidelity, then Jesus would not be the Christ. He would not be the Messiah. He would not be the lamb that was slain, the spotless lamb. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna address this issue in a minute because the reality of all this is very significant. If they question the, the, the birth of Jesus, which people do, to question the birth of Jesus and the way it came about, will question the deity of who Jesus is, that he is God here. It's going to bring controversies. So virgin birth is being challenged. It's, it's critical. Why? Because even in the culture of that day, what, what did they say about Jesus? They would often refer to Jesus as an illegitimate son because of the story. They, they questioned even that family, and even Joseph, because they even said, can anything even good come out of Nazareth dealing with this family and, and Jesus? But in the story, Matthew makes it very, very clear that his mother is Mary. His mother is Mary. His mother Mary, it says in the passage. He says, I don't want you to get it mixed it wrong. I don't want you to, to be confused about this story. But I want to tell you something. In the midst of the controversy, Mary's revelation strengthens her resolve. Mary's revelation strengthens her resolve. Guys, when we know something to be true, we'll walk in that truth no matter whatever's going on out here. When we know that what we believe is true and we walk in faith, it doesn't matter what people say in the neighborhoods or our family, we're going to walk in that truth because we have resolve and they're going to get revelation that's going to bring resolve to Mary and eventually we'll bring some resolve for Joseph, but they have to have some revelation. They have to have some understanding. They're going to have to have some truth. And we're going to see that here. So I want you, if you want, you could jump over to Luke chapter one. It gives us a little bit more insight into the story because it gives revelation about what is to come as we look at the, the, the process by which Mary gets impregnated. We see in the story that Mary gets greeted by the angel Gabriel in the story here. And angel Gabriel comes and acknowledges Mary's standing before God. He says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. She was a faithful woman. She was an honoring woman. God saw something in Mary I think that if, as we walk with God, maybe God will see something in us to call us to birth something, to grow something, to develop something, that we would be found faithful, that we would be his favored one. And we see in the story that God's calling upon Mary for a purpose, and she's a virgin, she's sanctified, she's set apart. She's a holy teenage young girl, is what she is. Some believe Mary, Mary was probably about the age of 15 at this time. And the angel Gabriel announces how she'll conceive in her womb his son and bring forth a king and his reign will be eternal. We read that in Luke 1, verses 31 to 33 in the story. His birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his return points all the way back to his deity. We're starting with the beginning of the gospel. The, the, the gospel starts at the birth of Christ but it's gonna point back to who he is, that he is God 
in the flesh. But in the story, as the angel comes, Mary, she's struggling a little bit because she asks a question. She's not sure how this is all gonna transpire. What are you talking about? She's already blown away that there's an angel appearing and talking to her, and she's having conversation with an angel, and now the angel's saying, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna be a, the mother of, of God. And she's like, like she's just probably in say la moment, like what? <laughs> and, and, and figuring this all out. She even says, she says, listen, look, I know how this whole thing works, intimacy work, but I've never been with a man. How's, how this is going to transpire? Now, we know there are a lot of miraculous births in the scripture, right? We know Sarah and Manoah and Hannah and Elizabeth, but nothing like Mary's. Mary's birth was supernatural. The other ones, God opened up the womb, but this one, God, by his spirit, impregnated Mary. And we see in the verse that Mary would be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That was the process by how Mary was going to become pregnant. I believe Mary's first Christmas was a Christmas to remember. I believe it was. Why? Because we have record of it. <laughs> We're reading it this morning, right? How can, this, how can this be possible? We know with God all things are possible. All things are possible. You're here this morning because all things are possible. You're a miracle this morning because all things are possible. But I think here's the key to Mary's resolve. And if you're taking notes, I want you to catch this. Mary responds when she hears about her role and how this is all to come about. She says this, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Did you catch that? I want you to catch that. Two things there real quick. Put in your notes. You're taking notes. She understood her position and she understood trust. She understood her position and she understood trust. Okay? She's a maidservant of the Lord. That's her position. I'm yours, God. I'm your bondservant. I'm your slave. I'm your maidservant. I'm your follower. My life is yours. She knew her position. We have to understand our position in Christ. Because our position in Christ will help us live out how we walked every day. And then she trusted God's word through the angel. She put her trust in, so be it. The word amen means so be it. In some ways, she said, according to your word, so be it. I'm trusting your word. I'm leaning on your word. If, you, if you're calling, she never, ever questioned what was going to happen. Like, why me? Or We never see that in the story. She's submitting herself to the will of God and the purpose of God in her life. Because of that, she could have some resolve. I'm ready to do this, no matter what people say, right? Now, while this is all going on in the story, there's another tap story happening with Joseph. Because God's dealing with, with Mary, but God's got to deal with Joseph, right? Because she hears that she's pregnant. Now he's got to deal with that dilemma. And we're going to find here Jesus ponders, Joseph ponders his difficult dilemma. We see that in verses 19 to 21 back in Matthew. Back in Matthew, Matthew 19 to 21. Just say Matthew, not Mary. Dilemma's Mary. I'm sorry, difficult dilemma's Mary, dilemma situation. It says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Underline dream, because God speaks to dreams today. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. Just as much as Matthew affirmed that Mary was God's mother, here we're gonna, he's affirming again that Joseph is her husband. He's laying out positions. He goes, I want you to understand the story, the relationship that's going on here. Joseph, her husband, God's gonna deal with Joseph, her husband. But Joseph has come to realize that Mary is pregnant. And so he has to respond to that dilemma. He has to respond to that controversy, right? He wants to fix a bad decision here, a bad situation. He wants to fix it. And so he moves to resolve the controversy very quietly, right? You would think there would be a conflict of marriage right here. Wouldn't you think there would be a conflict? You would see in this marriage that they probably had, said, had some sit-downs. You would think there would be some anger or some animosity or some bitterness on the behalf of Joseph, but never do you see that in Joseph. Never do you see that. Never do you see him re respond in that way. The Bible actually described him as a just man, as a, as a righteous man. And you see his, he, that you see in some ways his morality, but you also see he's merciful. He's very merciful in the story. He's a gracious man. He's a very gracious man in the story. But he's also thinking about two things. What am I going to do? He's thinking about two things to do. Number one, he couldn't marry her. Couldn't marry Mary. He, he couldn't marry her or continue on in the marriage with her. Why? Because there was infidelity. That's what he's thinking. He had a moral standard. He had a standard to live by. And in some ways, his eyes that she had fallen short of that standard. I have to give her a certificate of divorce. And he could now give her a certificate of divorce at this moment. And so he's thinking about that process there. And I think the second thing is he didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to disgrace her. So he wanted to put it away quietly. You know why? Because remember, her consequences could have been death. Her consequence could have been death. I think he's putting aside his own shame to protect the shame of Mary. Because I'm sure he felt shame. I'm sure he felt shame here. He wanted to put her quietly by, why, to give her some time that she would not pay the consequences of the situation. I think of how love is described in the scriptures, right? We know that love covers a multitude of sins. We know that love is patient and love is kind and love keeps no record wrong. You only have to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is a lot of things. And I think Joseph is expressing love through the process of divorcing him and trying to separate these things. Guys, when there's difficulty in your marriage, don't just jump to things right away. Because guess what Joseph's going to do? He's going to ponder these things. I love that about Joseph. He's going to take a step back and look at the situation and the dilemmas. And sometimes you find yourself in dilemmas today. And how do you handle those situations in your relationship with your, with your wife or, or husband or relationship with your children? Sometimes we're so quick to react. Let's take a moment and take a step back and ponder a little bit. Take a step and think about what's going on in the situation before we start to speak or before we want to. Though he's processing this, he's pondering the situation, he's thinking about it, he, he's taking a, a moment to see all that's happening. And sometimes we have to have those moments in our life when things are really hard, things are really difficult, things aren't working out, there's trouble and conflict and all that stuff in our, in our lives. Maybe we just need to say, let me take a retreat for a moment. Jesus often retreated to his father, right? 
Why? So he can get clarity. Sometimes in our lives, before we press forward, we need to take a step back. Sometimes we need to ponder. We need to think about what's going on before we start moving forward because a lot of times we keep, like those people, keep hitting their heads against the wall instead of taking a step back and rethinking some things. And it's in this time that he took a retreat. It's in this time that he pondered. It's in this time he took a step back that God engaged him. And Joseph is greeted by an angel of the Lord as he pondered in a dream, right? And I love this. The angel comes and said, son of David, remember your position. Remember your lineage. Remember where you come from. Remember your stock. That was the line of Christ, the son of David. Remember your roots. Remember your spiritual line. Joseph, you're going to be an earthly father, a stepfather at that, but an earthly father. That's who you're going to be. That's the role you're going to have. And we know that as, as a father, Jesus submitted to Joseph. He submitted to a earthly father just as he submitted to a heavenly father. And we're going to get into that in a little bit later. But he, as the angel comes and he's in this dream and he's pondering these things that all this happening, I love this. The angel says, Joseph, do not be afraid. Do not fret. I think he's laying down some groundwork because I think what he's saying is I'm going to be with you in this whole process because I'm Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going, to, I'm going to be with you, not only in what's happening right now, but in the whole journey. And I think I want you to understand in this Christmas season that, that God was with Joseph and Mary through this whole process. Even in this COVID situation, for those that are watching online, for those here, God is with us. He's been with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is still faithful. I think you have to remember that in this Christmas season as we're looking at this story here. Don't fret, right? What is happening is a work of God. It's a work of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Joseph, Mary's going to have a son. It's a gender reveal in the dream. He wasn't blaking a, a, a powder blue or, or a powder pink. It was an angel saying, let me tell you what's coming. Let me give you the gender reveal here. This is what's happening. His name is going to be Jesus. You're going to want your name is Jesus. He'll be the savior of the world. He, this is his mission. We know that the word Jesus is the word, the same Old West Testament word is Joshua or Yeshua or Yeshua, which translates Jehovah, which means the Lord is salvation. That's what Jesus means. In fact, Christ means anointed. It's not Jesus isn't his first name and Christ isn't his last name. I know we have that in our, on our driver's license. You know, we have a first and last name. That Jesus is not his first name and Christ is not his last name. So that's what we can see on the Jerusalem license plate or card license, driver's license. But, but what's going to happen is this, that Jesus' name, but Christ means anointed. It's his identity. He's the anointed Messiah. In fact, people who are anointed Old Testament with the prophet, the priest, and the kings. And Jesus is all three tonight, or today. He is our prophet, priest, and king. But also, I said, we want you to name him Jesus. Why? Because there's power in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. We ask in his, in his name. We have authority in his name. That's why people curse his name, and they speak evil of his name. There's something spiritual about that when people do that. That's why it's one of the Ten Commandments to not use the Lord's name in vain because there's something about Jesus' name. There's power in that. 
And so we have to remember that it started with controversy. But the second thing, the first Christmas confirmed by the words of the prophets. It's confirmed by the words of the prophets, confirmed. I remember when my kids were small and we took them out to the, to the to Rose Parade up in Pasadena. First time it was cold, we took them out there and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people there, right? And what's happening is as everybody's gathering they're trying to see and you see the Colorado boulevards right there and guess what, as, as the marching bands come and as you hear all, see all the floats, as you see all these things, we took them out there. Our kids were small and so they, they, they couldn't see. They couldn't see what was going on. And they would say, Dad, Dad, what's going on? And so I would pick the kids, and you're like, we'd lift them up, and we'd pick the kids on, up on our shoulders and explain what was, what was going on. I think what's happening here is the prophet spoke about what's going on through the word of prophecy. Let me tell you what's going on with this story, right? Joseph, full of insight, couldn't see what was going on. So God, in the midst of the country, sent an angel to explain to Joseph what was going on, and Joseph's eyes were opened up to the first Christmas. Quoting the Old Testament prophecies, I think today many people are spiritually blind or veiled to what is going on. And this season is for us to explain God's plan during this time. We have to tell people what's going on. Remember that song, What's Going On? What's going on? Remember that old Motown song, Marvin Gaye? What's going on? There's a lot of craziness, craziness going on right now. Amen, Gracie. Amen. A lot of craziness going on. But we as a church need to explain what's going on this season and why we're here. That's what we're called to do. So a Christmas to remember was predicted by the prophets of the past. Look at 22 and 3. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Mm. The stage was set for the grand entrance for Christ's birth. And the current Christmas, this first Christmas, story was fulfillment of the divine word. And the prophets were the spokesmen of God. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. And the words of the prophets are coming true in this story. Their words are coming true. Why? Because God's word is divine. God's word is God breathed. It's alive. And so he's bringing that alive to the people because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What we are looking at this morning is the truth about the promised Messiah. Why? Because Matthew is an apologist and he wants to convince the fellow Jewish brothers by quoting Isaiah 7:14. And he's going all the way back 700 years to the words of Isaiah the prophet. And they would have known that. The Jewish people would have known who Isaiah the prophet was. What is going back in Isaiah 7? Let me just give you a little context because a lot of times we'll read the passage what we saw here and not understand the context. There was a, the king of Judah was Ahaz. And he was fearful because there were these other two kings that wanted to come against him. The, the, the king of Rezin and Pekah. One was from Syria, one was of Israel. And they wanted to, to destroy Ahaz and replace Judah with a new king. Remember, Judah is the line of Christ. And they wanted to replace him. But Isaiah came and said to him, don't worry because God's line is protected. God's line is protected. And then he quotes 
Isaiah 14, 7, 14, speaking about the prophetic line of the Messiah. Think about that for a moment. He's saying not only is this line protected, but it's, it's protected for all eternity because there's one that's going to come through this very line. Go all the way back to Matthew chapter 1 again, verse 9. You'll you you find Ahaz in there. This line is going to be protected yearly, yearly as we gather for Christmas. We celebrate the proclamation of Christ's first coming because he is an eternal God. Because he's an eternal God. But we have to understand Christmas to remember is the promise God with us. Look at 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. God has always longed to be with us since the garden. He's always wanted to be in community and fellowship with God. In fact, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the temple, is where God's presence dwelt before the people. By the time you got to the book of Exodus, you see there the tabernacle established. It's a mobile home, God's mobile home. Go back and read Exodus, right? And everywhere they moved, the people moved, and that represented the, the presence of God. In fact, the Hebrew word for tabernacle means dwelling. It means dwelling. Exodus 25, 8 says this, and let him make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them or the people, right? In fact, the, the word dwell in Hebrew was the word shekan, which means to dwell, rest, or abide. And the root word for shekan was the root word for shekinah, where we get the word means the shekinah glory or the glory of God. God's glory would dwell on the lid of the mercy seat in the holies of holy. His presence would dwell there in the holy holies on top of the mercy seats. Then look at this, John 1.14 says what? The word became flesh, what? And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the Shekinah glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word dwell means to tabernacle or abide. Jesus is the Shekinah glory, his birth is the Shekinah glory, and his birth is God's glorious presence. His glorious presence. That's why this is a Christmas to remember. See, Emmanuel is a descriptive word. It's, it's, it's what Jesus will do. His name, Emmanuel, is it Manny or Manuel? You won't say, hey, come over here, Manny. That's not what that means. It's not a short, right? The angel commanded Joseph not to be afraid. He knew that Emmanuel would be with him. God would be present in their lives. What a promise for us today. He promises that for us today. Jesus is his human name. Christ is his spiritual name. Emmanuel is a descriptive name. That's what that is. And guys, as I close this morning, lastly, the first Christmas is to awaken us to the truth. The first Christmas is to awaken us to the truth. I think we have many things that awaken us, right? Back in the day when you got knocked out and became unconscious, they had smell and salt. They don't do that today. I, I, I called up Jerry, Jeremy yesterday because he's a paramedic. And I said, I want to ask you some questions about all this stuff. We don't use smelling salt today. But back in the day, I know when we played football and you got knocked out or you did something and you got boom and you were out, they used to break open this capsule to smell and put it in. And you'd be like, whoa. And you would awaken real, real quick. Today, when people have heart failure, they would use epinephrine to awaken the patients. For those who have overdosed, they would use Narcan, nasal spray to help them to help with the opiate overdose. Each of these practices suddenly awakened people or awakened them up is what it did. Listen, people are, today are 
dead and asleep, and God needs to waken us up. And his truth is each of those things. His, his word is what awakens us. His word is the smelling salt for the spiritually unconscious. His word is the epidephrine for the hardening of the hearts. His word is the narcan for the addicted. The truth suddenly awakens Joseph to what is happening, and he responds to that truth. So what do we see in verse 24? Joseph is awakened to truth. Look at this. Then Joseph, being aroused from a dream, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took to him his wife. What did he awaken to? First of all, he awakened to the role as a husband. He awakened to a role as a husband. That's what we see here. I think by this time, after he met with the angel in his dream, he probably was awakened to be relieved <laughs> of what was going on. He, he probably felt something that the truth had awakened him. The truth relieved his stress. The truth gave him a purpose. The truth strengthened his love and commitment and resolve for his own wife. When we abide in that truth and we receive that truth, guess what? It says this in John 18, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word and you are my disciple indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. There's something about deliverance in his word that makes us free. And Joseph obeyed the commands of the Lord and took Mary in marriage. In fact, the word took in that verse, translated to Greek, means to, to join to oneself, meaning an oral commitment. They were in that time of betrothing for that year, but now they committed in marriage. Though they committed verbally, they hadn't consummated yet because God gave them command not to consummate the marriage. But there was a verbal commitment. There was a covenant made in marriage. And Joseph honored God by honoring his wife. But the last verse 25, it says this, Joseph awakened to God's command, to obey God's command. It says, he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He awakened to the role of a father. He awakened to a role of a husband and he awakened to a role of a father. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't know much about Joseph. We know he's from Nazareth, from a poor neighborhood because he was often family referred that that was the neighborhood he grew up was, right? We know he was a carpenter because we refer to Jesus as the son of a carpenter. He was God-fearing man because he had Jesus dedicated in the temple. Him and Mary went after eight days, had him dedicated. So we know they had a, they were people of faith, a, a family of faith. He was a protector and a provider. Why? Because during this vain season, Herod wanted to kill babies two years and younger and they fled down to Egypt. And so he protected them. We know that he, after this Christmas season as they moved on that he became a father and he had children with Mary and we know that Jesus had half brothers and sisters so that takes away the thought that she's a virgin anymore okay just just want to throw that in there a little PSA okay in Mark chapter 6 and in Matthew but they were also a blended family because Joseph was a stepfather to Jesus and so they were a blended family I love how God is connects with all of us no matter where we're at in our own families, right? Biological families, blended families, single families, because Mary's become a single mom because we believe that Joseph ended up passing away. Some believe he passed away before Jesus even started his public ministry. Why? Because when Jesus was on the cross, he turned over the responsibility of his mom, the apostle John. Joseph wasn't there. And so maybe he passed away, she became a widow, became a single mom, we don't know all that, that has transpired, but we, we know that Joseph had this role. We even know that Joseph was a forgetful father. All right, dads, right? You remember when they were 12 years old and went to the temple? And Jesus was there and they were the Passover and then they were gonna go back home to Nazareth, but they left Jesus back? 
right? And, and they journeyed three days, right? Like, how many of you forget your kids for three days? Okay, like, gosh. And then they're like, oh, I thought you had a Mary. No, I thought you had, oh, snap, we gotta go back to Jerusalem. You know what I mean? There was one day where I was at our other site early on and I had my son Ryan and I thought Ryan, my son was with Julie and, and, and Julie thought he was with me and we both showed up home, but we didn't have Ryan. He was still back at the church. We had done that before. And so they're a normal family, just like all of us, right? They had their moments. They had the, their, their, their things here. That's how it relates to us. But I think I challenge you this morning as we close, are you awakened to the truth, right? Jesus named him, Joseph named him Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. Maybe we've been veiled by what we see around us. Christ's birth is unveiling of God's redemptive plan. Christ's birth leads to the cross. His purpose was to save people from their sins. You'll never awaken to the truth until you understand the state that you are in and that I am in. Okay, we have all fallen short of God's standards. And so Christ came to make a way for us to be in his presence. So he tabernacled with us in the flesh for 33 years. Then he was crucified for our sins, our shortcomings, our failures, our vices, etc. for the wages of sin is death. Then he resurrected to defeat death. So by faith in him, we might defeat death. And I pray you can awaken to this fact. Then he ascends to heaven to sit on his rightful throne and he gave us his people a mission to unveil the truth of the gospel to others. That is our mission. And one day he'll return to receive his bride. This is our betrothing time. Will we be found faithful? And by faith you'll be, by faith you'll make this a Christmas to remember. So I leave you again with these three thoughts as we close and Rob comes up to leads us communion. Number one, first Christmas is clouded by controversy. The story of marriage is clouded. It's clouded by controversy. The gospel is controversial for some. The story is controversial. Is Jesus really the son of God? But I think the second thing here is first Christmas is confirmed by the words of the prophets, the words of those of old have prophesied about what we practice and worship today. And lastly, the first Christmas is to awaken us to the truth, to awaken us to the truth of our roles, of our positions, of who Christ is, even to spiritual life. And so if you're here today, maybe this Christmas season, maybe you've never made that commitment. Maybe you're online, maybe you've never made that commitment to Christ. Maybe this message has just awakened something, it's just stirred something you up. You're not sure about what it means to follow Christ. You're not sure about whether you have a relationship with God. You can be assured today and make it a Christmas to remember. It's by faith. It's not by works. We're saved by faith for it's a gift of God, not of our works that we should boast. The greatest gift was Jesus and putting our faith in him is the door to heaven. That's why we celebrate his birth because it was God's gift to us, to birth in us a new life. So let's just pray and Rob's gonna come up and lead us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and your grace, Lord. And I'm praying for those online and I'm praying for those here this morning if they've not made a commitment, Lord, that maybe you stirred their hearts. If you're here and you've never made a commitment to Christ, whether online, you can write in the comment box. Or if you're here, if you never made a commitment, you could just raise your hand. I wanna pray for you this morning. If there's somebody here, just raise your hand and I could pray for you, anybody? just saying yes to the Lord. And maybe you're online. 
You can just pray this. If you're here in the quietness of your heart, just pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this season. Thank you that you came in the flesh as a baby. And Lord, this morning I confess my own sin, Lord, that I've not met your standard. But Jesus, you came down as a baby in the flesh to die for my sin. And you were buried and rose again on the third day. And you're now back in heaven. I receive you by faith. I repent of my sins. And Lord, I receive the free gift and the promises that God will be with us and that you will live in us and that we will be empowered by your spirit. Thank you for this great gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.